Hey all you rad dads out there. Hey what's up everyone, Rad Dad Brett here bringing you another episode of the Rad Dad Show. On this episode we sit down with author, illustrator, tattoo artist, and rad dad Keith Nagley. I first heard of Keith when my wife got me one of his books for Father's Day. My dad used to be so cool. The first thing that caught my attention in this book was the illustrations. They're super unique and the book just looks really cool, which is different than a lot of kids' books. But the story resonated with me too. It's about a child discovering that their dad had a past where they were quote-unquote cool. The kid in the story figures out that his dad used to play in a band and is kind of trying to wrap his brain around how his dad could have led such an interesting life. Anyway, that book led us to pick up a couple other books of his. Mary Wears What She Wants, a story about the first woman ever to wear pants, which my girls love, and also Tough Guys Have Feelings Too, which is about how everyone gets sad sometimes and it's okay to cry. We haven't managed to pick up his other book, The Boy and the Wild Blue Girl, but we're looking forward to doing that soon. Oh, and Keith also put out a free online book called Dads, They Care A Lot which I'll link to on our social media channels. Anyway, Keith and I had an amazing chat about all things parenting. We talked about the importance of prioritizing your mental health as a parent, including a discussion about postpartum depression in dads. We also talked about the importance of apologizing when you're wrong. And Keith tells us about a new book he's working on, The Year Without a Summer, which sounds really cool. And honestly, there was so much more. So let's get to it. I hope you enjoy our interview with Keith Nagley on The Rad Dads Show. I'm going to start the way we always do and ask, who are you? Hi, uh, my name is Keith Negley. Uh, I do um, a lot of editorial illustration, but I also write and illustrate picture books. Um, I live in Bellingham, Washington, which is about an hour and a half north of Seattle. I've got two rad boys um, and I just bought a motorcycle. Nice. Is that first motorcycle? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. So, yeah, you've got your hands full these days for sure. Yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, Parker is 13. He just turned 13 and Beckett just turned four. Okay. So Yeah. Yeah, So um, I guess thinking about, uh, I don't know with with Beckett, but for sure Parker in school, uh, back to school recently, right? Yeah. He's gone back to school. It's really nice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's kind of a nice change of pace for everybody right kids and then <laughs> yeah I mean I think he even likes it just because I mean it was just it was getting pretty boring for a while there for sure was he out of school last year for some no he was or? um he goes to a Montessori school so okay. he was out they were they did have remote schooling for a while but they went back to in-person schooling before public schools did okay so he's been doing it a little longer than other other students but um I mean even the summer was, was rough just because there was COVID even during the summer. So there wasn't a lot of like hangouts with friends and stuff. Right. Yeah. It was kind of the same for our daughter. We have a, uh, just about six year old. So she was in kindergarten last year and mostly in school most of the time, but a little bit of online as well. So that's yeah, been a rough How does year a kindergartner do online schooling? I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> even now she's bringing a computer to school because they're kind of preparing for the possibility of going online and she like she doesn't know how to log into a computer that's crazy so it's interesting for sure um okay so you're an illustrator author that's sort of how i came to be aware of you we've got some of your books i've got them behind me here yeah um which is cool my kids love them i have two daughters um oh wow thanks yeah and we actually just bought tough guys 
um, just recently. We had the other two for a little while, but um, yeah, I, I think one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is that like, like I was kind of mentioning before we got started, I think there's kind of some threads in some of your books that really resonate with me in terms of what we do with Rad Dads, mm-hmm. um, some kind of concepts that you explore in your books. So um, things like, I, I kind of pick up on sort of that toxic masculinity, gender stereotypes and things like that. Um, so how important is that for you to sort of include that in the work that you do? It seems like it, it's a thread through a lot of work that you do, even looking at your illustrative work, um, mm-hmm. some of the articles you've, you've kind of um, yeah, yeah. illustrations um, for. You know, it's, it's not, it's actually not intentional. Uh, it's, it came about just cause um, I went to grad school uh, when I came out of grad school, if I had learned anything in grad school, it was to write what you know, uh, which is a very expensive lesson. Um, I could have just gotten online, but uh, that truly is what I ended up doing when I wanted to start writing books for my son, which is how it got started. Um, because he was having, showing signs of struggling with a lot of these new emotions he was having when he was like four or five going into kindergarten for the first time. Um, and I also noticed myself, uh, my dad, I don't know, was born in the fifties or something, I think. Uh, so <clears throat> I think our generation of dads, I'm not sure how old you are, Brett, but I'm going to guess you're probably around my age, like late thirties, early forties, maybe. I don't know. Yep. Um, 37. Yep. Okay. So our, our dads, I feel like was like one of the last generations to get away with not having to do much other than just bring money home from a job. Um, so, and I love my dad, you know, he did the best he could, but he wasn't really there emotionally at all. He was pretty shut down. Uh, and I found myself doing the same thing. Like as much as I wanted to not repeat my dad's, you know, parenting style, I was very much falling into that. Um, and uh, I was noticing it and I saw my son picking up on it and it just wasn't a good feeling. And so I started to work on a book that ended up being tough guys hit feelings too. I mean, I wrote that for myself almost as much as I wrote that for Parker. Um, and so it really wasn't like a, this is a message that needs to get out to the world or, you know, I'm going to market myself as like a, you know, a, whatever, a current events, social justice, whatever woke yeah. author. Like it wasn't like that at all. It was like, this is a book that I would like to read to my kid for us. And then after I, I wrote, I put together a few different books after that. And I had enough that I thought maybe I'll see if anybody wants to publish them. And that's how I ended up working with Flying Eye, who put out the first two books. Um, and then I was supposed to do a third book, uh, actually, after my dad used to be so cool. And um, Flying Eye wanted it to be in that same uh, theme of, you know, discussing toxic masculinity or talking about emotions with men mm-hmm. or, or boys. And I was kind of done with it. Like I didn't want to, I, I didn't, I felt like I had, I said everything I wanted to say about it. And I had that book, Mary Wears What She Wants. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do next. And they weren't interested in it because it was too much of a departure from the first two. Interesting. Um, but I think it's actually, to me, it's it's very much right in line. It's just totally. coming at it from a different place. It's coming at it from a, from the other side, I feel like. Um, but it does discuss like gender roles and and like stereotypes and you know, the way culture tries to like put people into boxes and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, you talked about like the, the role that your dad and your experience with your dad sort of played in, in, I guess, your awareness of, of 
your approach to parenting, but there's also, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, society as a whole, right? Um, we kind of have an issue with that. I think we're, you know, we're getting better and there's, there's movement to sort of get better and address some of those issues for sure. But, but um, yeah, it's, it, it kind of is just a culture and, and our whole sort of society that likes to put people in boxes. Right. Um, so I, and I, I agree with you. I love those messages in those books. And, and I like that you said, you kind of wrote them for you. You kind of, I, I feel, like, I feel that as I'm reading those books, they're kind of, they're for me as the parent, a lot of them. Right. Like yeah. you're, yeah, yeah. you're, it's finding a way too to talk about some of those things with your kids. Like, those are difficult things for them to understand because as they're little, their world is very simple. And they, as they get older, they hit that four or five-year-old mark. They start to realize it's maybe not quite so simple. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they'll, I mean, they'll feel, you know, all of a sudden they're feeling shame and guilt, but also mm -hmm. anger and they're scared um, all at the same time. And they're just like, you know, what do I do with all this? So um, it's funny too, because tough guys, um, at the time, I think Parker was like four or five and all the cartoons that we'd watch on Netflix were like ninjas and pirates and yep. like robots and stuff. And, um, you know, they were pretty, you know, I wouldn't say violent, but there was a lot of action happening, <clears throat> but you never got to see any of them ever have a bad day. Right. And so then when you, or make mistakes in a way that was like, where they actually truly had to like, you know, deal with the consequences. Um, so I feel like, I don't know that in terms of like watching cartoons, they never like our kids never really get to see what it looks like to um, be upset <clears throat> and then how to regulate those emotions. Right. Uh, and so when you, but then when you look at the picture books that are for the same age group, they're nothing like the cartoons that, that are marketed for that age. Like cartoons are much more like in your face and a lot of action and a lot of energy happening. Um, and then the picture books are all very like, calm <laughs> and soft and yeah. kind of like fluffy uh they're very uh it seems like publishers are scared to put any kind of real tension in picture right. books um and so i just found that that kind of discrepancy just fascinating um and so that's another reason why i don't know i wanted to sh put together tough guys just because i like the idea of putting a book with like all these archetypes these male archetypes kind of all frustrated and showing them all having a bad day or making a mistake. Um, so, right. yeah. And, and for people who are sort of watching or listening and haven't read that book, Tough Guys, they should go out and pick it up for sure. But yeah, it kind of um, each page is sort of a different sort of stereotypical tough guy, wrestler, an astronaut, a cowboy, like having a bad day, you know, shedding a tear kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, it's really funny because my daughter, you know, I, I remember sort of a few months ago saying to me something like, well, dad, like, like you and mom never cry, right? Like, why do I always cry? She was having sort of an emotional day and oh, yeah. thinking that, you know, when I grow up, I'm not going to have to cry anymore. I'm yeah, just going to yeah. have this all figured yeah. out. And so it's a good tool to sort of talk about that, right? That, yeah, everybody has a rough day. Yeah. So I, I love that. Now, you also just recently um, released a book over Father's Day, a digital book. And yeah. maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Like I, I getting back to, I guess, the fact that some of your books are kind of, or some of the work that you do is kind of more aimed at parents themselves and how parents cope and yeah. uh, stress a, uh, of a parent. And so I, I really loved the the book that you put out at Father's Day. Maybe oh. you can talk a little bit about that. That was, yeah, thank you. That was a, um, that was a fun project. Uh, Dub approached me 
to, I think they must have found me because of the, the, the tough guys in the My Dad book is my guess. Um, I don't know. They never told me, but they approached me because they wanted to um, release a picture book for dads uh, for Father's Day. I don't know. Like, so Dove has this like, I don't know, subsidiary, like Dove plus, Dove Men Plus Care is what the right. company's called. But they do like rad uh, marketing for fathers and, and men in general. But for Father's Day, they always have some kind of really cool campaign. And so this last year, they I they hired me to create a, an entire picture book um, that uh, that they would that they would film dads reading to their kids. And so um, it was very interesting and kind of meta, and uh, it was so much fun to do because. I didn't have any real time to second guess anything. I mean, right. we put it together. I got to write and illustrate like an entire book in like six weeks. Wow. It was like crazy, uh, but it was so much fun. But um, so yeah, that book is about, um, it, it's just, it was a way to sort of like celebrate dads. Um, yeah. Trying to think. Uh, so much of it was about um, the dads themselves. So when they were reading it, I would actually personalize the issues that the actual copies that they were reading. So when they got to the end of the book, they'd actually see themselves in it. Right. Um, and so that was a lot of fun to see. Uh, um, so there were sort of like, I, I kind of watched a promo video of it at, at one time. I, and I remember there were th maybe three or four dads or something, right. That like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, sort of formed the basis for this. And I remember watching in the video, them reading to their kids and the kids being like, look, dad, that's you. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That was super fun to see. Um, Man, that was a blast. And then, so yeah, so it was basically the whole gist of the book was to say, you know, dads care a lot like uh, about their kids um, and it's okay for them to care about themselves too. Like, mm -hmm. like kind of giving men permission, giving dads permission to also take care of themselves. Um, and if, you know, and when they take care of themselves, uh, they're, they can do a better, they're better dads for it, you know? So like, how do you identify with that sort of, topic like do you think that's that's an issue dad's taking care of themselves um <clears throat> i mean i i don't it's interesting like i think there are there is a lot of pressure more than ever on dads to be um you know that solid rock to like handle whatever storm comes their way um like we're the first generation of dads to really be emotionally present with our kids to to actually um, uh, raise our kids, which sounds funny, but, um, <clears throat> and that's, we don't have much of a model to go off of, right? right? Um, we don't have, like our dads are not, we can't use our own dads. I mean, some of us maybe might be lucky enough to have one of those cool rare dads who actually was invested emotionally, but not many of us do, I don't think. Um, so we're kind of having to sort of make it up on, as we go. Uh, and um, it's just, it could, I, I guess I could see it be easy for dads to forget um, that they also get to have fun. Right. That they also get to, you know, take care of themselves and do things that, that are just for them, yeah. you know. Well, you talked a bit about sort of um, your, that book being about sort of celebrating dads, right? Um, and that's, again, that's a big part of sort of what we do. It's, you know, we talk and we sort of share information and you know, different sort of parenting styles and approaches and things like that. But I think a lot of the benefit is just sort of hearing that other people are sort of going through what you're going through um, and, and celebrating the, the successes and the wins. And um, I, I think that's so important, right? Because like you said, dads 
I think historically haven't shared that kind of information. It's kind of been, that's just something I have to well, deal with And they've with never myself. been asked to, I don't think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of like, I don't know, we can get into all that, but I mean, dads in general have been kind of like, uh, they haven't really been um, expected to do a whole, a whole lot in the last, I don't know, a uh, few hundred years, I feel like. Um, <laughs> and I just, I also want to just put this out there too, that I'm fully acknowledging that, uh, you know, the statistics about how moms and women, you know, are carrying the vast majority of the yes. mental and emotional labor in the house. That's, you know, that's still definitely a thing that's happening For sure. that we get to work on. Um, so it's very, it's a very delicate line to, to, on one hand, say, you know, dads, you should take care of yourself too. Um, you, you've got it rough, and then, but also acknowledge, yeah, women have it rougher, you know, for sure, uh, like have it's, it harder. Uh, so it's like it's, you know, it's it's kind of it's a delicate uh, balancing act. Well, I yeah. think when you look at like um, some of the organizations out there who are sort of doing research on this stuff. Um, implementing some solutions around um, things like gender stereotypes and the effect that has on, on women. Um, a, a, a lot of those um, approaches start with men and boys, right? Mm. Sort of starting early and talking to them about um, like, like, you know, the sort of the domestic violence statistics, um, like yeah. the, the vast majority of domestic violence is perpetrated by men. Right. And so sure. what can we do with our boys um, and maybe with young men to help prevent some of those things going forward. So I, yeah, I agree with you. That's, you know, important to say that, you know, in talking about dads, we don't want to exclude moms, but I think a health, a healthy dad um, contributes to a healthy family and healthy children and a healthy community. And um, so I think that's, yeah, that's sort of the importance of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um this is the rad dad show. Do you consider yourself a rad dad? Uh, I like to think I'm a rad dad. <laughs> so, uh, my kids don't think so. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> if you were to ask them, but I think I'm pretty rad compared to my dad. I mean, my dad's also rad, but for his age, for his day and age, but I like to think I'm a pretty rad dad. So what's a rad dad to you? I think a rad dad is someone who like soaks up life. That's a rad dad's like a dad that like celebrates um, and is not afraid to show that they're having a blast and that they want to share it with their kids. Right. So is, is some of it, is some of it, um, I guess like one thing that comes up in a lot of our conversations is dad struggling with the loss of self as a dad, mm. when they become a dad. Right. And I know sure. that there was an article I was reading, you had done some of the illustrations for, uh, you know, I was kind of just like in doing my research for this a couple months ago, when we first started talking about this, um, I came upon this article and it was about postpartum depression in men. And yeah. that was something that had sort of come out in that article. And I really identified with that, like, yeah. okay, I've got a kid, like, what does this mean now? And how do I cope with this? And this is something, you know, women are also very much um, sure. dealing with as well. Yeah. Um, but maybe hasn't been talked about very much with dads is that sort of loss of self. So what I'm sort of hearing from you is bringing your yourself and um, having enjoyment and having fun and bringing that into your parenting and sharing that with your kids. 
Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's vital. Like I think particularly, well, just going back to that article, um, I was so honored to get to work on that one just because I, it just identified with it so much when I first became a dad, I think I was 30. Uh, and you know, I played in rock bands and I rode around on this like little vintage motorbike and, um, you know, I was into tattoos and I was an artist. And so I was, as an artist in general, we're very selfish people already. Uh, so then to all of a sudden not be the center of my own attention was, it was really hard. And I felt like I had to give all the things up that I liked doing, um, and put all my intention into this other person, which on one hand is what you're supposed to do. But on the other hand, it was like, it was very, really hard. I, I didn't realize it till later, but I was, uh, I was like clinically depressed for a long time. Um, and just also like racked with anxiety, like as a new dad, you're having like nine heart attacks a day. Um, right. you know, every time your kid chokes on something or trips. Uh, so it was just, it was a rough, rough <laughs> first few years. Um, I wish I had known more then to like seek help, uh, mm -hmm. because I, I didn't know, um, what to do about it, or even that there was something wrong. I mean, I, I didn't feel good, but I didn't know that that was something that could be fixed or shouldn't be happening. Um, right. You kind of, there's some like self blame there, right? Like at least in my situation. Yeah. 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 It was rough. I mean, cause, and also I was the first one in my circle of friends to have a kid. So there wasn't like anybody with me that could be like, oh yeah, that's rough. You know, I went through that too, or, mm -hmm. oh, this is how I solved that problem. Um, I didn't have anybody in my peer group to like go to. So, you know, I would, we'd go to barbecues and I'd be the guy with the kid yeah. and it would, I would, I was, I was very like self-conscious of it. And anytime my kid would do anything that would bring attention to him, I would get like tense and like, no, no, put your pants back on or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just wasn't fun. It wasn't fun for me. It wasn't fun for my son. It wasn't fun for my friends to watch. Like it was just, it was rough. I was not a good dad the first few years. I fully admit that. Um, but going back to just um, showing your, I think it's vital for dads to show their kids having fun. Like, I think it's really important for boys to see their dads acting silly and really having a good time and barrel laughing and, um, you know, really getting excited about stuff. I think that's something I never saw my dad do. And it was weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and so I think that like just modeling that gives kids right there, gives them permission to get excited and show it to like, yep. to be in a good mood to like be silly and not worry about getting judged for not being manly enough or something. Um, and to be able to laugh at themselves. I think right. men, we feel like we're not allowed to, our egos are so fragile. Mm -hmm. We have the most fragile egos. Uh, and so, you know, being able to laugh at yourself is like so important. And like, that's, if there's anything, it's like, I try to do that with my kids all the time. Like when they point out or I do something dumb and I, or they, or, or they point it out like, dad, you just did the opposite of what you said you're supposed to do. Or dad, you just, this is completely wrong. It's like, you know, I try to make sure they know like that I'm getting a kick out of it. Like it's, I'm able right. to laugh at it and it's okay. Yeah. I, I think like, your experience is very similar to a lot of dads in that you spend the first 30 years of your life being just all about you. Like, of course that transition is going to be difficult, right? But you're kind of brought up to believe or 
you know, whatever media society, whatever tells you that, well, you should just like welcome this bundle of joy into your life and it should be yeah. so easy and natural. And you know, like it, you're going to, yeah, you're going to want to give up all your hobbies. It's, yes, exactly. You know. Like this is your sole focus in life. And I think like we talked about a little bit earlier, like you having that personality and who you are and showing that to your kids, that just makes everybody healthier. And it models to them that they can have their own personality too, because they'll absorb your anxiety, right? Like I've seen it with my my oh, daughter yeah. as well. Like the things that I get anxious about and stressed about now she's starting to get anxious and stressed about them. Right. Yeah. So, so you do need to be conscious of that. And absolutely. It's, yeah. It's funny. Like you, you know, mention about like that sort of depression um that maybe you faced um you know i i sort of dealt with some of that myself with it was funny not with my first daughter but when my second daughter was born interesting that that was when it really hit me like oh this is really tough like I, i don't know what what it was exactly i mean she was kind of a fussy baby and stuff too but i don't think that was all that it was but um you know, and eventually I did sort of seek some assistance for that, some help for that too. It made a huge difference. And just like, you know, fast forward a few years, just last, like sort of this past summer, I was standing around uh, with some of my friends at a barbecue and it kind of came out that like, oh yeah, yeah, I started some medication and that really helped me. And oh yeah, so did I. And one of my other friends was saying, oh man, like, I I think I might need that, you know? And so once you kind of open the floodgates, you start talking about it, you realize, geez, like I'm totally not alone here. Oh, it can feel very isolated. That's nice to hear. Because I mean, obviously as men, if you have to take medication, you know, that must mean you're you're weak. You're not a right. full, you're not a full man or like, you should just be able to handle it. Um, just like, you know, whatever it is, uh, white knuckle it. Uh, right. but no, I, I, I agree. Like, um, a lot of times men will, um, when they're experiencing anxiety or fear, which a lot of times is where the anxiety comes, it's like the root of it is fear. It, it manifests in anger. Uh, just that's the way men, are. a lot of men can be built. And that's how it was for me. Like I, I'd be anxious and I'd be depressed, but it came across like I was just really angry all the time. Yeah, and um, I feel like when you talk about kids, you know, receiving that energy and they're picking up on that and they kind of soak it up. Um, I've been doing a lot of thinking about like what it means to be a man today, like in this day and age. And one thing I've come up with that I, I think it means to be a man today is it's now our responsibility more than any time before to acknowledge that as men, and the power dynamic that just exists in a home, mm-hmm. uh, the man having the more of a dominant energy, we are responsible for setting the tone, not all the time, but we can definitely control a room mm-hmm. if we're not careful with the energy we bring in. So just by walking into a room, like the foot, the sound of the footsteps we make walking into the room could put everybody in your house on edge if you're not careful yeah. um, to acknowledge that you know, we can physically over, we can physically control everybody else in the house. Like as men, it's rare for us to ever be in a situation where the person we're sitting next to could physically control us. Yeah. We're not, you know, and when that, sometimes I'll get in an elevator with like a really big, you know, a big strong man. And it's a little bit unnerving. Like, Oh, this is interesting. Women deal with that every day. Yeah. 
every day they're That's handling that. Really and it's like, we yeah. never have to experience that most times. And so I feel like it's our job to now we, now that we know that that's a thing. We, it's our job to be conscious of it and be aware of it and to um, be responsible with it. Yeah. Regulated and, and yeah. And yeah. Be aware of it. I think is probably the biggest thing, right? It's Absolutely. kind of a, it's a, you know, this is kind of fits in a little bit to sort of the male privilege discussion that like, Oh, absolutely. We could just get away with, you know, stomping around the house and being angry and that's not fair to anybody, right? Like we have a responsibility to, to be aware of, of that, but also to control our emotions, get in touch with our emotions to deal with those things. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, just going back to what you're saying about medication, like I will sing the praises of Zoloft <laughs> from like the mountaintops. Like when I finally uh, um, started taking Zoloft, it was probably maybe three years ago. It just like radically changed my life. Like mm-hmm. I felt more like myself for the first time in like decades. Like it felt like how I used to feel when in college, like before I started having, before I had kids, before I had anything to like be super anxious about Um it's just, it's just made me such a better dad. It's made me such a better partner. Um, you know, in general, like if anybody has any, anybody listening or watching this has any inclination that this might be something for them, please search it out. It's made a vast difference in everybody, everybody who's in my life. It's like improved their lives because I'm just a much mm-hmm. more relaxed at ease person for yeah. sure. I, I totally agree. I mean, I think, that's one of the things people worry about with medication. Well, is it just, you know, is it going to make me not me? Yeah. But in fact, it's it, for many people, it's <laughs> the complete opposite. It helps bring you back. It does. It really right? does. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a lot for me. Not, I mean, not, not every, not every medications for everybody, but for right. me, it's, Zoloft, I've, it's been, I've responded really well to it. Yeah. No medical advice here. Go talk to your doctor, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've go, got to talk to your doctor. I'm yeah, not a medical, uh, you know, professional <laughs> you've you, you got two you know anecdotes here but uh yeah i agree like like you said that article you know i'm just sort of seeking it out looking at your illustrations and seeing what you're working on and like i was just like right in on that article it really spoke to me and you know could have been me that that article was about for sure and it got me thinking about because of the way it was written so if for anybody listening it was i think it was in the new york times right mm-hmm. so um, yeah, go check it out. But it's written from the perspective of um, the the mother in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, um, yeah, our family sort of dealt with postpartum depression, but it wasn't me. It was my mm-hmm. husband. And it was like, oh my God, when you think about it through that lens that like, what was my wife, what were my kids seeing of mm-hmm. me at that time? It, it, really speaks to the fact that, yeah, like you have a responsibility to deal with this, right? It's like a medical issue. Mm-hmm. Go deal with it. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's Get some help and whether yeah, that's it's not, it's nobody's fault. It's you right. Know, it's like you caught a cold or, you know, you can't blame someone for, you know, coming down with being diagnosed with cancer or something. It's right. not your fault. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, we sort of have touched on this, but, you know, I sort of like to ask, like, did you have any fears about becoming a dad? Maybe you, you, you talked about that, you know, a lot of the emotion you felt sort of post uh, becoming a, a parent was rooted in fear. Was that fear yeah. there sort of before? Had you sort of considered? Sure. Yeah, that? yeah. No, um, uh, our first son, he was not planned. Um, but we were, we were excited anyway, but he wasn't a 
it wasn't a planned thing. I didn't know if I wanted to be a dad. Um, so the whole pregnancy was definitely a slow ramp uh, of anxiety until I remember the, the day he was born, like I left the, the room, the birth birthing room, delivery room. And I just like sobbed, like I just like this release of tension just like poured out of me. Um, and it was a hap. it was, you know, I wasn't happy, but it, it should have been a happy occasion, but I was just like bawling my eyes out. Um, and I didn't know why, what that was, but I, I realized now it was just all this tension just mm -hmm. getting released. Cause you know, he came out and he was healthy and everything worked out. Nobody died. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. It wasn't, it was, it picked up beforehand. I wasn't, um, I wouldn't say I was one of those dads that was like picking out the paint colors for the nursery and, right. um, you know, just super, super excited. I couldn't wait for the, for the little guy to come. It was definitely like, uh, we better, let's go What's to the movie theater a few more times yeah. before he comes out. Like, what do we, we got to get all this stuff done before we can't do it anymore. Um, right. cause our lives are going to be over soon. I mean, I definitely had the wrong attitude going into it. Right. Yeah. Um, but obviously sort of, you know, um, I guess like, do you, do you find that sort of your, your books, your art and some of the ways that you explore some of those emotions, you talked about sort of, you know, sharing what, you know, has that been helpful and therapeutic for you as well? Or, um, I mean, it's therapeutic. I don't think of it as like the sharing part doesn't feel necessarily therapeutic, but putting it on paper is very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Like putting it, committing it to some, like a physical object. It's almost like, um, I can, I feel like I, when I finish a book that, that it, where the themes run across, like being able to express emotions and be like emotionally intelligent. Um, it feels like I'm doing like years of therapy and then I get to like close the book yeah. and it feels like it's just a really good feeling. I don't want to say like I've solved my issues or anything, but it right. definitely feels like I'm, it's like a big step forward. Maybe you've just identified the issues, right? Like yeah. writing it down on paper, yeah, getting it into that physical object. You've, you've identified what, what that emotion is, right? Yeah. As and opposed to just that, the yeah. jumble that's in your head yeah. before that. It's like, a, I guess maybe it's a way of like, either compartmentalizing or putting a face on it. So it's not this, I don't know. Yeah. It's like this a mysterious, you know, big tension in your brain. I don't know. Right. I hadn't thought about it like that. I mean, I do really enjoy, I get most of my, when I do get emails from readers, it's mostly moms, like more than anything. Um, and they're usually like, Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you. Cause it's like, I've got a son and he's like, this book's so it's been perfect for him or their teachers and like, Oh my gosh, this book's been so great for the boys in the class. Um, so I always thought, I thought for sure it'd be mostly, I'd be hearing from dads, but no, it's been the opposite. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it speaks to the fact that some of these topics are hard to talk about with your kids and hard to f find a way to, to bring it up in a way they understand. Yeah. 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 Well, even, I mean, I remember being like my dad, not ever really saying, I love you that often. And, or like thinking to give me a hug. It was like, when dad would give you a hug, it was like twice a year. And it was like, Oh boy, it's like, this is my hug for the year. Like, Whoa, this is crazy. This is kind of awkward. Um, and so, you know, the more you don't do it, the more awkward it gets when you do ask for a hug, you know? Right. So it's like, you kind of have to, um, in a way, 
like I'll find myself even like wanting to hug Parker and it's, it'll feel awkward. And I don't like that. And he feels awkward and I feel awkward, but you kind of have to force it, you know, sometimes. <laughs> and so at the end of um, tough guys, the very last spread, it'll, it says like, Oh yeah. And these two tough guys and um, who love each other very much. And I mm-hmm. felt like it was important to me when I pictured dads reading that book to their boys, at least at one point in that day, they've acknowledged that they love them or that they love each other. Um, it was like a way for them to do that without it being like gave them permission without it being this like awkward, like, Oh, I love you. Oh, uh, I love you too, dad. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. That kind of normalizing that experience, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to say it out loud and be like, Oh yeah, I do love you. Like that's, that's a good thing. This is good that we can say that out loud. Yeah. Right. Even tough guys can say that. Yeah. Um, so what's the most rewarding thing about being a dad? I guess for me, the most rewarding times or things are when I can see my boys um, making decisions for themselves, despite whatever their friends are doing, you know, to see mm-hmm. them not be afraid to make their own choices and stand out. Um, I just, I'm a big fan of, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Like not, um, not sufi- like something? self-sufficient or anything like that. It's more like, um, I guess just not being afraid to stick out, I guess. Right. I, Cause I was terrified of that when I was a kid. I just, I needed to look like everybody else. I couldn't, I didn't want anyone to notice me. And so when I see Parker and he'll pick like some of the clothes he picks or yep. like just, I would never, never in a million, he's got a very interesting sense of fashion, but like, I'll never shame him for it. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's so rad that he doesn't, he just does not uh, subscribe to any kind of, uh, um, you know, standard like dressing practice, like in terms of what colors he puts together and what's okay to wear and what's not okay. I just think that's so cool. I just love that. And it makes me feel so proud that um, to see my boys not, I feel like I'm in some ways like sort of like maybe I'm being successful at maybe breaking that cycle of being right. so self-conscious. Right. So it's like not being afraid to be an individual and yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. being self-conscious. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah. That anxiety really, about what it's really nice. Yeah. yeah. What people think about you. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You say that my daughter is kind of the same way. My five-year-old, she wants to pick out her clothes for school. She comes down the stairs and she just looks insane, but it's great. Like we, yeah, we love it too. Um, yeah, it's so cool. I man, when I was their age though, like even at like six or seven, like second, third grade, I was, I would have my clothes laid out the night before right. they'd all be color coordinated and I, you know, everything had to be in its right place. And it's just, it's so interesting. I was very type A and like my boys are, they def, definitely are not. And I'm just, I'm grateful for it. Right. That's awesome. Um, Keith, what's next for you? What's, what's on the go? I know you've got some new kind of projects, some that yeah, I've heard yeah, of, maybe yeah, there's um, others, but. Yeah, I'm working on uh, my next book. Um, I'm super excited about It's about the very first bicycle, uh, which I feel like is a story that isn't that uh, well-known, um, but it involves like a massive tornado or not tornado, it involves like a massive like um, volcano and like a giant ash cloud that covers the majority of the world. And, you know, um, like freezing snow in June and like ice, like, uh, like, like it's called, it's the year without a summer. Right. I don't know if you're familiar, if anyone wants to look it up, but the year 1816, it's referred to as the year without a summer. 
And it's just, it's an insane, crazy story that you wouldn't think was true if it wasn't true. But uh, so I'm really excited about that. And that's going to be out. Um, it should be out a year from now, okay. roughly the fall of 2022. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I, I think this is about every book I'm working on at the time, but I really do think it's going to be my best book. Uh, so I'm, I'm stoked on that. And then I'll have another book. I've got another book that's under works that's after that one as well. Um, but that's too early to, to, to spill, okay. spill the beans on that just because it might change. But um, I would say maybe that might be the most, the biggest thing on my plate right now. Um, I just started teaching myself how to tattoo, which right. has been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I've been following that on, on Instagram. You do some cool yeah. skulls and stuff. So yeah, yeah. You've, you've tattooed yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you just Typically, did your first one on somebody else. Yeah, that's it's not uncommon to when you're learning how to do it to do to tattoo your first yourself first. And so, I mean, you start with fruit normally, and then you move from fruit onto like your own body. So my legs from like my my waist down to my knees are just covered in terrible janky tattoos that I gave myself. <laughs> um, and then once my legs were f- full up, um, I moved on to actual real people. And um, it's been crazy. It's been really fun. It's very challenging. It's way harder than I thought it'd ever be. Um, but it's been super fun. Um, I'm really enjoying it. And, uh, let's see. I mean, I don't know what'll come of it. It's just something, it's just been, it's been really fun to do. And that's all I'm, I'm just doing it cause it's fun. So sort of a hobby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, learning how to ride a motorcycle, right. tattooing people. I've, I got a pretty fun life, Brad. I got to admit, like <laughs> I draw, I get to draw pictures all morning and then I give a friend a tattoo and then I go for a motorcycle ride and take my boys out to a park at the, you know, the evening and get some food. It's like, it's like, I live a dream life. Sounds like a rad dad to me. It's pretty awesome. Um, any advice for dads or dads to be out there? Don't be afraid to apologize. Don't be afraid to, to admit when you screw up with your kids. I think that's so important. I've never heard my dad say, I'm sorry for anything. Um, and I say, I'm sorry all the time. <laughs> like when you know you screwed up, go back and say, Hey, you know what, back then, like I wasn't in my best space or, you know what, that was a mistake. I'm sorry for that. Or whatever. Like, you know what, I did promise I was going to do that and I didn't, and I screwed up whatever, whatever. Um, I just think that's so good for kids to, for boys, especially, but for kids to see what it looks like to apologize. Right. Um, and have it be a normal thing. It's totally normal to be able to admit that you were wrong about something. And it took me a while to get to get there. But now that I'm doing it, it's just it's like totally natural and normal. And my boys can do it like Parker. He's like 13 now. And when he's when he screws up, he knows it. And he's like, ah, oops, sorry about that. Like, I didn't mean that or whatever. Um, and it's just it makes the, it just makes the whole household a lot easier. Uh, but it's just it's just it's really feels good to see. Nice. I love that. Well, Keith, thank you so much for taking yeah, the time no, to, really to come on the show. It was really fun talking to you and uh, getting to know you a little bit. Um, for anybody watching, listening, go pick up Keith's books. We'll put links on on our uh, social media posts oh, okay. when we click cool. this out. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I just want to thank you so much for, for your work and, and for being a rad dad and for coming on the show. Awesome. Yeah, I'm flattered, Brett. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. So uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having us. All right, that was Keith Nagley on The Rad Dad Show. Go out and buy his books now. 
They're so good. Thank you so much, Keith, for joining us. And thank you for listening. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you drop us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook and Twitter at at rad dads show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting, and you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.